everybody. Hello, 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 and welcome on in. It's time for Three Guys Before the Game, episode number 462, titled John Spiker Visits. Uh-oh, wait a second. If you're one of our viewers, if you're watching, you're going, well, wait a second. There's only two. <laughs> but you just said John Spiker Visits. So where's like John Spiker? Oh, I forgot to tell you. He's invisible. Now, so uh, as you can probably imagine, it has been a unique week for a bunch of different reasons. And we're going to talk about that here to start things off. We'll get into all of that stuff. Three Guys Before the Game brought to us by the Burdette Camping Center. The only warranty forever dealer in West Virginia. Visit them at BurdetteCamping.com. And right now, in case you were wondering, the answer is yes. They are offering $10,000 off on an unbelievable Forest River travel trailer and toy hauler. That's right. Do not adjust your earbuds. $10,000 off right now. Forest River travel travel trailers. Say that quick five times. Forest River travel trailer. Forest River travel trailers, top notch for their quality, reliability, and a wonderful camping experience. Visit them at BurdetteCamping.com and check it out. And don't forget, tell them three guys sent you, and you can get $10,000 off the retail price. Warranty forever. Yes. Three guys brought to us by Comax Business Systems. Comax Business Systems, so much more than just equipment people for your office. All of your equipment needs, sure, but they'll manage your business data, IT security, even your phone system. They become your partner. Remote monitoring allows you to have the flexibility to run your business and put your head on your pillow in the evening knowing that your office's business data is safe, secure, and efficient. They've been doing that for 25 years. Three guys also brought to us by our good friends at GoMart. Go for good times. Go for GoMart. More on them coming up in just a little bit. And by Lou Wendell Marine Sales. St. Albans, the premier pontoon boat dealer in the state of West Virginia. They feature the Avalon pontoon boats. And you can check them out at LouWendellMarineSales.com. All right, so let's on jump in on all this stuff here. Firstly, obviously, the uh, the Bob Huggins story from this week has been the story of the week, not only here in West Virginia, but across the country. And that has been resolved to the point now where both the university and Hugs have issued statements regarding the punishment which has been handed down. That's one aspect of it. And be quite honest with you, we were going to record yesterday, but we said this is probably going to come out in the afternoon. And so let's just wait. So we're recording this on Thursday. We recorded our John Spiker visits Tuesday. Correct. Tuesday. Tuesday. And he was fantastic, and we'll have that coming up. So just that's l- your point to why there's not the third guy sitting here right now. What we're going to do for the first time, I think, in 462 episodes, is we're going <laughs> to we're going to marry we're going to marry two episodes together. So we're going to do that. Um, also, it's been a busy, busy week because of 
the WVU coaches caravan. So Monday was Wheeling, Tuesday was Glade Springs, Wednesday was Parkersburg, tonight is Martinsburg. So that's caused some craziness schedule-wise. And then the other guy, the third guy of three guys. So how do we say this? Are you going to announce this now? I am. The hell with HIPAA. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't care. You know he's going to come in here and say it anyway. Okay. Oh, boy, Hoppy got a little bit of a problem. He got a little bit of a problem. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, I, for the record now, I just thought of something as I was going to tell you all this. This show physically is just going to hell in a handbasket. He comes in today like Festus and Gunsmoke, limping in here, just coming off a massive calf injury. Now Ca- popped calf tear. Calf tear. Official diagnosis. Calf tear, and then he popped his hammy last night. Two different legs. Two different legs. He's got a lot of problems. So he's walking around just a mess. Why and do you think I asked Gary Jennings about the yoga routine, trying to get back on track? I want to start on that. I'm a mess. By the way, did you see what three guys uh, did for Gary it's, Jennings? It's undefeated. Got him signed. Love it. Good for him. Yeah, got him signed. So he's with the Carolina Panthers, and uh, we wish him the very best. Anyway. And he real quick. He's he's due as we as he documented in the podcast when we had him on. He is due for some good luck. Yes, this is this is his time for that to turn around. Talent, skills, been there. Now he's due for some luck to make that team and have a year. You're correct. So back to Kerchival. So as was previously discussed on this program when he was here, he was going to go on a two week vacation. Correct. He was going to spend nine days out. In, in parts, in a lot of the parts of nine days, hiking on the Appalachian Trail. Okay. So he did that. He started like right near the border in North Carolina. And he sent us a video. He sent Brad and I a video when he got there. And it was like he was standing like at the top of like the North Pole. It was like horrifically windy. And like you couldn't even hear him talking into the camera. That's cold. how windy, cold. So I went, well, that seems to be a heck of a lot of fun. So anyway, like a day or two goes by. And then he says, yeah, it's going to go. Okay, it's going. Okay, okay, fine. Then Saturday morning afternoon, I get a picture of him. At his house. In his driveway. Not supposed to be back yet. On crutches. Crutches, I said foot wrapped up looking very pensive so i said what what i said dude i mean all right fine i mean he's closer to 70 than he is 60 what do you so why would you do that on the appalachian i mean what do you think you're going to do on the appalachian trail i mean like that actually that wasn't the appalachian trail i said excuse me so he was. Uh, he took a day trip. They had an off day, kind of like a team. He took an off day from the trail, and they were visiting Thomas Jefferson's place, Monticello. Okay. There in Virginia? Yeah. So he's over there at Monticello. It's like an off day for him, you know, probably a recovery day. And he's just like walking around there on a little path, like not the Appalachian Trail path. I mean, like a path where millions of people, I would assume, through the years have walked slips or something popped his foot popped his foot broken bone 
Right. He broke it. Done. Out. DNP. No, it would probably be like DNH. Did not hike. Medical decision. DN, no, D-N-H-I-N-J. Did not hike. Injury. Out. Wife Karen rules him out. Has to take him back home. Just a mess. He'll tell you more about that when he returns next week. Hope all is well. Needs some rest. Ice, elevation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He, he had thought about coming in today, but we're still in the ice and elevation mode. So little buddy went down. Yeah. Well, I showed up. You did. I mean, you're, you're, pl- you're walking hurt. Okay. I mean, it hurts, but I showed up. Yeah. Mine was especially strenuous as well. Bent over. <laughs> Straight bend over? Bent over hurt. It popped. You could bent hear over. it? You could hear it? Yeah. It didn't what did it sound like? It. Was it that or did it sound more like? Mm, probably a little louder. A little about Yeah. Literally bent over. Walked to where I was going to bend over. I hate to see it come to this. Have some work coming once I'm, once I'm healed. Yeah, we'll get Rededication you to the yeah, getting we'll, back in shape. We'll get you back to that. Okay. So because I've been on the circuit here this weekend at those caravan stops, I've had the opportunity and the pleasure to meet a lot of three guys people. A lot of three guys people. I met three people in Glade Springs. Gentleman and his wife were sitting there. He said, hey, I'm a three guys listener. Talked to him and his wife. And I asked the wife, do you think we're idiots? She goes, I don't think you're idiots. And the guy they were sitting next to said, I'm also a three guys listener. Talk, chatted with him. He want, And he's a business owner in Lewisburg. He wants to sell Kirchavale. Awesome. Yeah. And then another guy came over at the same time. I had three different ones at the same time. Should have take, should have had their picture made. He should have. But I didn't do that. But anyway, so that's what we've been doing this week. So let's jump in here. Um, also, getting a ton of food. Because we haven't been on doing a show a lot, it's it's quite obvious that peanut butter is the theme, and we'll talk more about that coming up in a little bit. But first, Good. let's jump in here to the Bob Huggins story, which has become obviously the biggest story in the state this week. It's become a national story this week, and it had the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday life of the incident the review and the punishment which came down on Wednesday and now we go forward. So with all that being said, your takeaway from obviously um, just a week that no one ever wanted to happen. So uh, my takeaway is this and it's, it's based upon where we land and where we sit at this point, which the the decision has been made. I know there's been debate here for two or three days as of what was appropriate, what isn't appropriate, what should happen, what shouldn't happen. And, and those opinions fell all over the place, as you would expect. What I'm looking at from this moving forward is let's dive into a couple of these quotes that are out here, at least in part, because I do think from a from a Bob Huggins standpoint of putting quotes out and it's on paper. We haven't heard Bob Huggins speak on this. We haven't heard Gordon Gee speak on this and we haven't heard Ren Baker speak on this. We've only seen written statements thus far, but the ones from Bob Huggins have been as about as straightforward as you can get, which was warranted in this situation. Same from the university, but let's pull a couple pieces out here as it relates to the decision that came down yesterday. First from the university, the university wrote, we will use this moment to educate 
how the casual use of inflammatory language and implicit bias affect our culture, our community, and our health and well-being. That's important because of the stipulations that were put forth to Bob Huggins, both on the monetary reduction of his salary with those funds going to various groups around campus and around the state. Important. And number two, the requirement for Bob Huggins that he meet with these groups to understand the issues that are going through and what those meant. If you go through Bob Huggins statement, again, just reading these in part, you, if you're listening to this program, most likely you have seen these in their entirety. But here's a couple of them that stood out. One says, I've had several conversations with colleagues and friends that I deeply respect and admire over the last 24 hours, and I'm keenly aware of the pain that I've caused. I meant what I wrote on Monday. I will do better. I'm looking forward to working with WVU's LGBTQ plus center and other state organizations to learn more about the issues facing the community. As a leader, I'm eager to use my platform to take what I learn and share it with a broader audience. So I think as you look at this now moving forward, it has landed where it's landed. And now moving forward, can there be good that comes out of a horrific situation for a lot of people? And I think now it's incumbent upon First and foremost, obviously, Bob Huggins to live up to what he said in those statements, that it wasn't just a statement in passing. And then you move on and you go on with basketball season and this stuff never comes. So it's incumbent on Huggs to to go forth with this and show that he meant what he wrote, as he said verbatim. I meant what I wrote on Monday. Secondarily, I think it's incumbent upon the Board of Governors and President Gee to make sure and Ren Baker, for that matter, that those groups make sure that this stuff gets enacted and there can come some learning and some understanding and help these groups move forward in what their mission is and some understanding. So I think that's where I land today. We we could go back and forth. We could take a million texts on should or should not, and we'll never get to a resolution. This was the resolution that was determined by the university, accepted by Bach Huggins. Now I think this matters to do, do all of those parties involved, take what has happened and move to use a bad sports analogy, move the ball down the field and advance all of this learning for people. There's a lot of people that are hurt by these comments, including some student athletes, faculty, staff, prospective students, right? There's a lot of work to Mm -hmm. be done here. Both parties, at least from the written word, seem to be serious about this. Now we'll see if those actions back up the words. Yeah. And uh, it's just going to be a matter of time as, as that proceeds. So uh, that's, that's the takeaway. I think Hoppy obviously has thoughts as well. And uh, when we get back into the studio together, uh, next week, we will address it more, and uh, I, I would think that there will be more uh, as this goes on, based upon what the university detailed and what Hugs has said that he is ready to do. It will have a, uh, a carryover effect. All right, um, coming up, we're going to jump into our conversation with John Spiker, and so let me do a little. Let me do a little bit of this on John Spiker, and this is good that he's not here. Because, as you'll hear when we start the interview with him, I was wary of doing the interview because he's unbelievably humble. (laughs) And as a result, you can't get into the true impact that he has had in his career. I mean, he is truly um, a West Virginia icon and a national treasure in his world of athletic training. So to put it into context, I mean, he's the Johnny Appleseed of athletic training in the state of West Virginia. He created the athletic training program at WVU, built the curriculum, which has become the WVU 
uh, athletic training program has become one of the nation's best, and it has produced people literally across the world at the highest levels of athletic training. He was the dude. He was also the and, dude. Real quick, and so that's the academic side that's you're academic, talking about. Yeah. That's just one piece. That was the academic. And, but he was also the athletic trainer early on in his career at North Carolina for Dean Smith, at West Virginia, from Bobby Bowden to Dana Holgerson. Now, like the athletic trainer position, so let me try to put it like this. They're there before practice, and they're there after practice, and they're there when there isn't practice. And never mind during practice, not just before and after, yeah. like continuously. Seven, it's seven days a week. It's seven days a week from literally from the 1st of August all the way till the season's over. So he has had access to all of those coaches and access to every Mountaineer player from Bowden through Dana Holgerson. Cl- close think, access. Close access. close conversations with almost every one of them. There's no one, no one today that's around here that has had that, that's still with us. No one. You can't say, well, Don Neal was here at 19. And now, so what? Go keep going backward. Who? Who had direct daily contact with every Mountaineer coach and every Mountaineer football player from Bobby Bowden to Dana Holgerson? You know what the answer is? Zero. No one. So we're talking about the lives that he's touched, the young student athletes that he has put on their way, healed physically and mentally, because his humble nature is his greatest attribute. And so, like, if you could talk to any Mountaineer football player, we've got listeners that know a lot of former Mountaineer football players, they'll just say, just say, like, hey, what was it like with Spike? And they'll just, like, they'll glow because he was the dude. He was the dude. So I, I start the conversation by telling him, like, dude, I don't know if I should have you on here because you're always like, well, actually, it was this person or that person. No, really, you're the dude. <laughs> National Hall of Fame. Just last weekend – one of six distinguished alumni here at West Virginia. He's in the Order of the Vandalia. He's in the National Athletic Trainers um, Hall of Fame. He's like, an, he's the dude. I'm going to tell you he's the dude, he's the dude, and uh, he's one of the best. So we were, were, it was great to just kind of bounce stuff around with him. We went all over the place. We went, you know, like big favorite play, favorite player, greatest athlete, toughest athlete, biggest injury. We just jump all over the place. It was good. Practice insights, because I think that's one of the parts where, those folks that are around, as you just mentioned it very well, they're every day, every practice watching guys through all those years. Yep. No one has more contact with the athletes than the trainers, than the athletic mm-hmm. trainers do. Okay. Uh, before we get into that, I told you, um, so the, uh, the folks at GoMart, right? Did you know this? Mark this date on your calendar. Next week, a week from today. It's... May 18th is I Love Reese's Day, invented in 1928. Reese's is one of the top-selling candies, and GoMart has a coupon on their app where you can save $2 when you buy four Reese's products. That's enough for you to have one and then send one to each of the three guys, which is kind of <laughs> nice. So download the app today. Go to gomart.com slash three guys. So when I was in Glade Springs the other night, my good buddy, Coach Mark Montgomery, was sure. there. Liberty yeah. Raleigh, he yeah. sent us swag. Yeah, Taylor, I sent you a picture. Is he there? Yeah, there he is. So that's uh, Coach Montgomery. So Coach Montgomery's on the left. Coach Montgomery's on the left. And uh, he gave me a pack of these Reese Big Cups. 
Yeah. But he also gave me a sleeve that had like six in them. Yeah, the big, yeah, that's new. So guess what I did on yeah. the way home? Did you already crush those? All six. So you didn't bring any of them back? Nope. I'm giving you these, though. No. You got the big okay, cups. Thank you. Coach Montgomery, Liberty thank Rally, you, shout out. Thank you very much. He always takes care of us. Received this as well last week to the building. Guys, I thought you'd enjoy some of the best. Oh, no, this is, yeah. Thought I'd, I thought you guys would enjoy some of the best Buckeyes I've come across since moving from Taze Valley to Columbus last summer. These are Anthony Thomas Chocolates Buckeyes. I must say the peanut butter to chocolate ratio is that, he said, insert throat clock, excellent or, yeah, pretty good. Tony, it was great catching up with you on Monday night in Charleston. Lastly, yes, let's do meet up on a Tuesday at Daniel's. Brad will be there, of course, prepping a mannequin or folding something. Hoppy will be nowhere near the joint. Tuesdays at Daniel's. Enjoy, Jeff. Deal. Fantastic. I've already had one of those. They are excellent. And then this... (laughs) We talk about the peanut butter ratio and then Reese cups. This is a um, three guys before the game. It says on this container, three guys before the game efforted from the Lovejoys in Culloden. Brought us some peanut butter fudge that basically is like, well, let me get the knife out because we've already started on it. <laughs> it's like, the, it's like I, a, it's like a Reese. It's the whole thing's a Reese cup. I think you're supposed to do that pit. We should, probably should have waited to eat till we were done. I don't think you show the nah, full picture with a like, nah, quarter we're, chunk out. We're ready to go. Hey, Taylor, you got that other picture before we roll this bean video? Which, by the way, thank you to all of those folks. Love all of it. I'll eat all of it. Terrific. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kerchival has made it to the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> that is. Where is that? That is. Uh, that is. What's the B with, the, with an M? What did he say it was? Is it, Mo- is it Monterey? Is that what it is? That sound right? I don't know. Anyway, so that tr- that's not it. Like, that's not. A Photoshop picture. Our boy, our boy Dave, um, sent this one out, and uh, this has been yeah, here. It is right here. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Huntington Beach, California. Oh, okay, good. Hoppy hour, May the ninth, in Orange County. That's truly a Kerchival can in the ocean. Uh, there, uh, near the ocean, near the Pacific Ocean. So, from Weirton to Welch, Martinsburg to Matewan, and Huntington Beach. Kerchevel is present. And lastly, here's the picture of Kerchevel. There he is on screen. Bless, oh boy. bless his heart. I mean, we just feel, I mean, bless his heart. Certainly sending him th- sympathies. Thank you very much, Taylor. You can, we'll get hoppy. He'll get back here soon. Thank the world of that little guy and hate to see that happen. But, you know, it was at Thomas Jefferson, so it's a political thing for him. So it's probably like, right? It's right in his. It's too bad that ruined the trip for him, though. Well, he's good. How'd they get him out of there? A life flight, I think. <laughs> no, I've just made that up. I'm just, just being stupid. Because the car couldn't have been close. He have to just limp back. Well, no, I you're not that far away when you're at Monticello. Now, if he was out in like six miles in, they probably would have had to send a rescue crew out in there if he was on the Appalachian Trail. But this happened just probably like just outside of where the general people walk around at Monticello. Well, I, we'll know, it's still deep. a ways away, isn't it? On a broken foot. Well, you just you walk back on a broken foot? I care. I'd probably put him on her, on her back and carry him out of there, probably. I don't know. They called medic or something. Three guys before the game brought to us by Lou Wendell Marine Sales, the single largest pontoon boat dealer in the state of West Virginia. You can visit them at LouWendellMarineSales.com. Lou Wendell Marine Sales. Now it is the season. You gone out yet? 
boat just arrived from what I am told. So no answer. No out soon. What do you mean? It just arrived. Well, it was in storage. They put you, for the winter. Are they ones that put like that big, huge saran wrap around it? Do they do that? You ever see those? Yeah. No, just covered and it's somewhere they, out of the, out those, of the elements. Then. Those saran wraps are kind of neat to see when you're driving down the road, right? You just wonder like, how do the hell do they get all that saran wrap on that thing? It's so nice and tight on that pontoon boat. You they don't it, you think it right from that like container, you think? And just wrap it around. Exactly. Like the new ones have that slide down, on there to cut they, it off. Yeah. They go down to Sam's, they get them big rolls, big rolls of that saran wrap. And they, so I haven't been out, but it's coming soon. Okay. Very good. It. Check out Lou Wendell Marine Sales in St. Albans, Lou Wendell Marine Sales.com. All right. Without any further ado, Excuse me. Without any further ado, let's jump in our conversation. John Spiker visits three guys before the game. All righty, it is time. Let's get this thing rolling. Our summer series continues here on Three Guys Before the Game. I must admit, Senator, I'm going to tell you this. I was hesitant. I was hesitant. I wasn't sure. What does that mean? I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure whether to do this or not. For one reason. Like sometimes, as you know, when you go like, should we bring so-and-so on to interview? Well, you know, great, but it doesn't speak that well, so it probably won't come across that great. So probably, and, uh, that wasn't the problem. Let's just talk like he's not here. That wasn't the problem. <laughs> that wasn't the problem with him. Right. So it, what was the hesitancy? That my hesitancy was, and I've known him now almost a whisker away from 40 years, is that he would be problem that you and I don't have. He'd be too humble. Uh, well, that, that's a fair point. Right? That, okay, and, that's and a I fair thought, point. Well, yeah. I thought, well, we can come up with his great questions and stuff, and he'll go, well, actually, that was this person. That was that person. So, so here's the deal. You're on call. You better be braggadocious cocky and arrogant is that fair fair for him fair how are you spike good i'm good good. (laughs) it's good to hear i mean this is good this is this is i've been looking forward to this very much and so i started to in my mind think about all of the many many things that you have done in your career and one thing, and we're going to bounce all over, as you will. As a listener of this podcast, you know we may not be chronological or linear <laughs> or, or that in our approach. But I had this thought the other day. You were an athletic trainer from Bobby Bowden through Dana Holgerson. Now, let's stop and put that into perspective. Let me say it again. Bobby Bowden through... Dana Holgerson. That means Bobby Bowden, Frank Signetti, Don Nealon, Rich Rod, Bill Stewart, Dana, and the evolution of West Virginia football. Yes. And there you were, day in, and I mean day in and day out, watching every single practice having contact every single day with the coaches and the players that have come through and being there behind the scenes, in the locker rooms, the public things that we know, the games, but the stories that can go on behind all of that. 
And to add to that, before the football, while at the University of North Carolina as a young athletic trainer, you worked for a coach by the name of Dean Smith. I've heard of him. <laughs> so you you went you you went go back to back there. Yeah. Now you went Dean Smith, mm-hmm. Bobby Bowden, <laughs> Bill Did, Bill Dooley, Bill Dooley, uh, at football at UNC also at, at UNC at the same time. Who later went on? To, he was at Virginia Tech. That's right. Vince's brother, Vince Dooley's brother, That's Virginia right. Tech. Uh, is it is it a correct statement that you attended the same churches as Bobby Bowden and Dean Smith? Uh, yes, that's true. Yes. So, so, so think of, so to me, I like, I don't, this is one of those deals. Like, how do you eat an elephant? Like one bite at a time. Like where, where do you go? Where do you go from here? Real quick. How the number of people that worked for or with Dean Smith and Bobby Bowden has to be, what's your group there? It might be him. It might be you. Uh, probably, uh, you know, uh, there was a two winning coaches, uh, in football and basketball at one time. So that was... Is that the all-time? Yeah. Okay, so let's jump in on that deal. Mm-hmm. If I were to ask you, what was that one thing about Dean Smith that you think and stands out to you that made him as successful as he was, what would one thing be? Uh, fairness. I mean, just absolute uh, believed in, in being fair at everything he did. Uh, but that does not mean he didn't hold people accountable. I mean, that does mean he held people accountable, as a matter of fact. But uh, he, when he really wanted to make a point, he would talk lower. It's oh, funny. He'd bring he the went team, the opposite. He'd bring the team together. Like quieter, you mean? Yeah, and he would talk lower. So, you know, we well, better be here at 1 o'clock tomorrow. You know? <laughs> it, was one of those, it wasn't, get your butt in here at 1. Right. It wasn't that. It was, yeah. So it's kind of like the, the parent that does that sometimes, too. A parent can go, like, drop it all the way down, which flips the kid out even more yeah. than the high, right? And when you go, like, yeah. so here's what we're going to do. Yeah. And yeah. they go, like, ooh, yeah. We better, be, we better be putting another ear in there and listening, really. When yeah. you say fair, does that mean he treated everyone the same or he treated people fairly? Well, let's just say when Phil Ford came as a freshman uh, and he had to make time, he had to make time just like everybody else. In the mile. In the mile. And he literally dived across the line to make the time at the end. Cinders all. I mean, and if he wasn't ready to play, he wouldn't play. Now, Walter Davis the year before. How about these names? Okay, Walter, a couple of good names to start. Walter Davis comes in a year before and highly acclaimed, and you know this—that's Hubert's uncle, by the way. Right. And uh, Walter was everybody knew he was a great player, but we had a guy named John O'Donnell who had started the year before. John was uh, mediocre at best. You know, he was just a guy who filled a role. He was a role player, uh, and uh, Walter didn't start till he knew the defenses, and that was. He wasn't going to. Now, I don't know how long he would have gone with that. He still had him in there in, uh, early enough to score uh, seven points in 17 seconds and beat uh, the Duke in that game. You know, that was to me, and we're gonna, as I said, bounce around. Growing up, I never saw a team like North Carolina make comebacks like North Carolina. Now, this is obviously a different game at that point in regard to timeouts That's right. and media timeouts. They didn't exist. 
Dean Smith was absolutely Mozart and Beethoven put together when it came to management of games. Every like they're they're down nine. You go like they're gonna find a way, one way to do that. Yeah. This is before the three point shot. And if uh, and I say we because I was there, if we got a one point lead, we knew we were gonna win. You, you just knew that you were in control if you if you ever took the lead. You might be behind, like you say, by nine. You catch up, but if you get that, you don't need to have a nine-point lead for you to win. That's the chokehold. You just need to get ahead. The one-point lead is a yeah. chokehold. Yeah. Okay. But, again, you had Phil Ford running four quarters. You know, <laughs> you had some stuff happening for you. Gave us a four corners yeah, early. So yeah, four, four and, corners early. And the year before, we had Mitch Kupchak, and the year before that, Bobby Jones. Uh, oh, Bobby me? Jones was good. Whew. Bobby Jones was the greatest. I mean, one of the great dunkers. He he, he dunked angrily. Uh a little bit of a reflection on like the NIL stuff today. I mean, they had an old car that they just passed around to each senior that was coming back. Jones had it one, one year, an old Chevy, and then uh, Kupchak had it the next year. And I don't know. Now, were these violations at this time? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't, somebody had guess it had to be in someone owned name. it, and they would just pass it on. Yeah. Well, that's futuristic thinking. Just borrowing a car. Futuristic okay. thinking. I, I, you know, really cars in quotation marks yes i understand transportation yes so that's for our younger listeners out there no shot clock so north carolina was masterful at the four corners offense they just once like you said you get the one point lead they spread the floor it's like you're not going to get the ball but they hold it and and cut and no three-point shot yeah that's all okay so that's smith bowden hold on before before we leave dean smith so when we say dean smith to you your enduring image, what image of Dean Smith comes to your mind when we say it or you hear the name? Is it something at practice? Is it on the bench? Is it sitting in his office? What image comes to mind of Dean Smith? We had a really tough situation one night in practice. A kid that really, uh, well, <laughs> actually it was the first night of practice for this kid's freshman year. and It was Phil Ford's classmate. And uh, Kupchak and... Uh, Ed Stahl. Some people had really got to his brain about, boy, first day of practice. You may not make it through. You know, it's it's really hard. I'm worried. They ba- they oh, ba- he's scared to baited death. Baited him, yeah. Scared to death. And, uh, you know, a lot of heat illness, there's, there's some emotion to that. Uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, he started really going to the tank quickly. And so much, I, I probably should have reacted a little more quickly, but. You know, I didn't want to be an alarmist with Dean Smith's players. So. Uh, but then it got really bad. And uh, as crazy as it sounds now, I just threw him in the car. I said, come on, we're going. And, uh, of course, he's really sick. And we gave him to the hospital. And he needed three bags of fluid. That's unheard of. I don't know that we ever gave anybody three bags of fluid here at WVU immediately. So, Tommy, he was sick. And... Uh, I had to call one physician on the way just to tell him, hey, we're on the way to the hospital and got this and this and this. And, and uh, didn't get the physician that wanted to be called in that situation. <laughs> one physician didn't, uh, he didn't, didn't approve of that, but it didn't matter. I knew we had a life and death situation. Or that's wow. what I thought we had. And uh, just, I mean, Dean Smith calls me later that night, tells me what a great job. <laughs> I, I got a manager coming over, cleaning out your car. I just fantastic. And I said, well, I have a problem with one doc. And he said, don't ever worry about him again. <laughs> Dean was fair. Dean was, he was fair. fair. And uh, 
the guy was still around, but uh, yeah, he had that was a big mistake that doctor made because he he wanted so badly to be there, he forgot about the kid's safety. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So, but, but Dean Smith was always very supportive. When I told him I was leaving to come to West Virginia, he said, "Well, I, I hope." I hope you can find a church you like as much as Binkley, which was the name of the church that we both happened to go there to. I don't know if that's if any of that's fake or not, but I mean, it really seems sincere to me because, well, one, one Sunday evening, uh, we both happened to be in this church service, and, you know, it, it was basically not a church service. It was the community wanting to find out about the basketball team every season. <laughs> that's all it really was. So Walter had actually had a, a thigh injury, uh, and uh, they asked him about the thigh injury, and Coach Smith said, well, our trainer's over there. Just ask him. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I was a young guy, and I don't know why. He, he seemingly trusted me, but uh, I have I, I one really crazy story about that. I don't mean to talk so much about UNC, but, but uh, we had a, an old-time trainer there that uh, – I mean, really been around a long time, but he, he was kind of behind in, in what was happening. And uh, we had this thigh injury that I knew did not need the treatment that he was prescribing. Yeah, here we go. So, I mean, okay, what are you going to do? We're trying to keep Dean Smith's player on the court, or, you know, we're not, you know, what are you going to do? So I would hook the, put the machine on and then unplug it. And uh, so we got the guy well. Uh, and the guy never, the old trainer never knew what we did. The old unplug. Uh, was that unplug the stem machine there, Spike? It was Something? a diathermy, actually. Uh, An old diathermy <laughs> machine. Yeah, you know. So uh, that, that would rank right up there with unplugging the hydroculator. But that's a, that's, a, that's a whole different story. All right. So, Bobby Bowden. Yeah. What's the one standout thing? Because you could make the case that Bobby Bowden learned how to be a head coach at West Virginia, and then mastered the art at Florida State. Fair or not? Well, he had learned it before I got here, because keep in mind, he had been a head coach, what, three, four years yes, before. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he was hung in effigy the year before we got here. So, uh, yeah, I guess you could make that case. I thought he knew how to be a coach, though, when I was here. I mean, he he really did. He, he, he had a way with his players. And his assistant coaches. Uh, he was in charge, but he just kind of walked around like a little general on the, on the field, you know, and had his notepad and he's doing this and that. Could you tell, did you sense at that time that this guy was going to become the winningest coach in the history of the game? Never would have dreamed it. Not, without no offense to him. I just uh, hadn't thought of him being at that elite level. He probably didn't either. Uh, probably not. Probably not. Why do you think it happened? Now, I know he goes to Florida State and wins all the What do you think it was that was able for him to sustain it? Well, I think I think Mama loved him. I think he got in the house, and uh, it was a great sell. And uh, so, you know, you only need a couple Charlie Wards, and all of a sudden it takes off. And uh, I don't know. I – He's he is there again, very sincere, very fair, uh, believable, just really believable. Uh, 
Yeah. I, n- I never heard him say a curse word ever. Not one. No. And Tommy, his son, tells me he's never, never drank a beer in his life. I mean, it wasn't hard for him. That's just the way he lived. You know, he didn't, he didn't you know, have any vices whatsoever. Always funny? Because he was funny. Was he always funny? He could find humor in situations that weren't necessarily very funny. Dad gummit, you know, it was, he came out with one of those things. and That was the extent of it. Yeah, yeah, but he would, he could dad gum you when you were trying to do something right, too. It was, you know, he was good. He was just really, really good. He just appreciative. Now, from a staff standpoint, very appreciative of everything you did. You know, we had some guys uh, that needed some rehab, I thought, when I got here. And uh, so in that old stadium, you know, I, I didn't know the training. I mean, I really was getting on some guys pretty good about, you know, kick harder, kick harder in rehab, you know. And, and uh, once in a while, he'd stick his head in there where you're working and says, ah, boss, that young guy's getting after it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it brings back, you know, we just lost Dave Van Hallinger. And Dave was a, a – uh, he had a lot of chronic knee stuff, and uh, we were able to get, help him get through that uh, period. And he had a pretty good year. You know, that offensive line was really good. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, you know, Dave and Tom Brandner, who's, by the way, his son played at Duke a couple of years ago, and he did great. And uh, Glowinski, yeah, it's a lot of people. It's amazing when you think about it now of – the technology, the medical technology exists that exists now that allows players to number one, know how to train and then be treated in a whole different way mm. than they were when you first started out. I mean, our, you know, scoping people and all of those things. I mean, it's night and day because a lot of times those major knee injuries were like a, I mean, that was a end career type thing, right? Ab- absolutely. And even, uh, even a, a scope, scope the best you could do is get somebody back in six weeks because keep in mind that's a cut in the skin that's open surgery that's going in there and digging it out didn't have mris you did manual technique to determine what was what you thought was wrong and i think evaluation skills were much better then because you were dependent upon mm-hmm. what what you could find now it's oh well now they want an mri before they leave the field you know? yeah seriously yeah yeah you're absolutely right yeah, you've done this a couple times now, and it's similar to when when your boy over here gets going on on numbers and hometowns of people. You've you've said names of former players a long way back, and you remember specific injuries. I won't ask you to do it, but if I started naming former Mountaineer players, is that what comes to your mind first? More than their number, more than their playing, you have a catalog of their injuries. Don't That's you? a great question. Uh, some, some. I won't say I'm as good as I'd, I'd probably disappoint you if we went through. What about list, what but, about what about Larry Holly? Larry Holly had some bad feet. <laughs> Larry Holly had some bad feet. Worst feet, worst feet you've ever seen. I, they were right there. He'd, he'd make a top five. Top five. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, he made it all the way through his season here. Had the big interception against Penn, Penn State. State. Same day that Rich intercepted one that same game. Remember the, that? Eighty four. Eighty four. Yeah. Okay. Eighty four. So uh, yeah, but then then playing uh, in pro ball, he. Soon had a ruptured Achilles, which was 
Sure. That, that, when you have bad feet, you have everything that's deteriorated. You see that? If you have bad feet, bad it goes feet, all the way it's up. Gonna be a, it's going to be an indicator. You've got other problems. Are, other than feet. If your feet are a problem, it goes well, up. Well, once your feet start turning one way, it torques the Achilles the other way, and you know, you're just setting yourself up. Okay, let's do this. No HIPAA rules at all. The statute of limitations completely over. What was Major Harris's injury in the Fiesta Bowl? He had a uh, second second to third degree. There's first degree, second degree, third degree, acromioclavicular joint sprains. This is where your clavicle comes across and meets the scapula. And uh, first degree, it's just a sprain, but then, then it starts raising up. I'm over here with my finger, raising it up. I'm fine. Yes. But uh, so it, it gets separated. And uh, even though that was his left arm, you're still just even take the snap. There's a lot of motion there. So it happens, and you see it all the time now. People land on their shoulder, and uh, so it can break the clavicle or it can cause an AC joint, a chromioclavicular joint disruption. And that can be first degree, second degree, third degree. This was probably a third degree. It probably was. He tried to gut it out. Uh, he, uh, he was tough with it. I mean, he was a tough guy. I mean, shoo, he wanted to play. But, yeah, uh, and you guys tried. Couldn't take the stamp. You tried at halftime as uh, medically as much as you could do to dull the pain. Yeah, uh, yeah, there was some things done then that couldn't be done now, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but, and he tried to go. Did you know, like, so you're trying to fix players on the fly. In that game, 88 Festival was amazingly physical. We had lost more guys. Remember those offensive linemen, those concussions, guys getting just rocked. So when the game is happening and you know this is the quarterback and it's for the national championship, do you have that voice that comes into your head that goes like, we're screwed? <laughs> yeah. it's. I. You'd like to say, well, just let's just be a medical person and not be emotionally involved in the game. I could never do that. I mean, it was you're 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 kind of both, you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, I knew he had that injury. Uh, I wasn't sure of what degree it was till we got him inside, and you could see that thing popped way up there. I mean, those sometimes they're up there an inch. You know, they're an inch above. Wow. Yeah, and they're separated that much. It needs to be down there. To, uh, it just doesn't work, you know. So sometimes they do surgery on them. Uh, usually they do now. Uh, they pin them down there. But uh, yeah, it was not good. The only thing worse would have been if it had been his right arm. But still, he couldn't. He just couldn't take the snaps. Without, yeah. yeah. And if he fell on it again, it just wasn't going to be good. Stay on major for a second, backup, because I think the other part of your experience is so you saw all those games, but you saw hundreds or thousands more practices thousands than you saw. and thousands <laughs> right that's really yeah. where the that's yeah really where the fascinating part of this comes in when when do you remember major and you saying not anybody telling you but you saying oh my gosh look at this guy when did that moment hit i was freshman red shirt year you know we had browning nagel yeah same same class and they were both good but major was like ridiculous it was just I, I'm really not sure why they redshirted him looking back. Uh who was the quarterback just prior to me? Oh Mike Timko. So I don't know why they uh 
no offense to Mike, but I don't know why a major wasn't playing in. Now, but Mike, it was immediate. Like first couple practices, you saw him take off. You're like, oh my gosh. Well, here's the thing about major. He wasn't super fast unless you gave him the ball. <laughs> he ran as fast as he needed to, right? <laughs> exactly. You put shoulder pads on him, give him a ball, he'll outrun anybody. Yeah. yeah. You, time after him, practice time sprints him. wouldn't impress you that much. Well, you time him in a 40, he might run a 4.8 if he decides to. <laughs> well, Dwight Wallace always says he only he only turned his green light on when there was a competition, so they would have to customize drills to make it seem like a competition for major. Like instead of just throwing these outs, now we're going to put a garbage can over there. How many of those can you put into the garbage can? That to him was like, okay, we're playing. Like he did, he was not a weight room guy, right? Uh, no. 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 He just like, I, I don't need no. to. Don't want to play that game. Don't no. want to play that game. Um, he, he went in the weight room as he passed through on the way to the field. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you, I mentioned Bowden, and then Coach Signetti came through, and then they make the change to Don Nealon. So here we go. You were in the old stadium. Now you move to the new stadium. And now here comes this Don Nealon guy. And things are about to get really interesting. He goes six wins his first year. Then he goes nine, nine, nine in his second, third, and fourth year. Amazing. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Eastern Independent back in that day. When did you go like, ooh, this guy's got it? Ooh. Probably second year. Probably second year. Uh, let's see. Jeff was, what, his third year? Yeah, 82. Yeah. Well. Why was he good? Why was Don Nealon good? He was organized. Uh, you know, when a new coach comes in, they come in with all this uh, plan or this this. Uh, scares the players a little bit they're not sure what to expect and uh you know he had that he came in and uh, you you need to do it my way because i know i've been at michigan i know what i'm doing so he kind of got their confidence there he had a good coaching staff danny brown and bob yeah. simmons and, yeah. and mike jacobs and Kerlav. russ jakes yeah 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 they're a good bunch doc dunlap yeah. i mean you think about that it's like the who's who yeah it was good it was a good staff and uh so, but really, I, I you know, at 82, we had Jeff. And, I mean, we got excited about that 82 season. You remember, we couldn't wait to play Penn State. And then he throws that pick six for – didn't work out so well. Uh, but then 83, it was really good. And, and, by the way, that's one of my favorite plays ever uh, – was the naked boot that uh, Haas ran against Pitt? Yeah, they'd beaten us eight straight years. Yeah, that was that wasn't the same as the play with Major, but it was a great quarterback play. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine for a guy that grew up in Preston County to see this program go from where oh, it was yeah. in the old field to the new field, yeah. and Don comes in, and it was, like I said, nine, nine, and nine. And then we had the Penn State victory in oh, yeah. 84, 84 for, the first, it. for the first time since the late 50s. Yeah. And then to get to the national championship game and to have all of that success, that had to be an unbelievably oh, proud moment for absolutely. you. Absolutely. So much fun. So much fun. And uh, yeah, so 
83 were pretty good. 84 were, you know, that was the year we've the finally signed. Right. We, we beat uh, those guys. And, uh, it, yeah, 88 was ridiculous. I mean, did we have a, did we have a close game? I mean, we really didn't. Virginia Tech got within 12 points. Or Maryland, something. Maryland here scored twice early and then just turned the table on them and yeah. then ro- rolled them. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, we just wasn't even close. And, uh, Penn State, I mean, we're up by how much at halftime? Thanks to Andre Johnson, of course, getting the last friend of the pro- uh, friend, friend, friend with another friend three guys reference. Under called me this morning and said, I want to make sure you get that in. <laughs> 88, 88 season, starting center, Kevin Koken, who was just fantastic, on crutches the whole week before the Syracuse game and said, I don't care, I'm playing. And I would imagine through the year, Spike, you had guys that start on Sundays or Mondays that look like there's like, so here it is, the greatest Lazarus, the greatest <laughs> Lazarus moments of all time. Who looked like, they, who looked like in your mind, do you have some guys that went like, I cannot believe that he was able to come back? Yeah, a couple. We had uh, Van Anderson, uh, defensive back. He was a you know he's a safety, uh, getting ready to play Pitt up there the first game. Uh, Anderson Richardson, Van Richardson, Van Van Richardson, Van Richardson, or Van Washington, Van Washington, Van Washington. Yeah, Van Washington. We've had Van. We've had a lot of Vans through the yeah, years. That's yeah, that's right. The, the, the late, the late Van Washington who's yeah, passed away. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was Van Washington yep. had a bad ankle and looked like there's no chance. Uh, that's the game that Zeroway ran the first play. Uh-huh. 96. Okay. Yeah. yeah up there. And, uh, yeah, that was that was a surprise. I tell you, another one was Oliver Luck. I said, we're getting ready to play Virginia Tech. And you maybe heard Don say that. He's, he's talked about that other years because I think Ollie threw like 250 yards that game. And mm-hmm. uh, that didn't look like that was going to go well midweek. But we just stayed on it. And, uh, you know, back then you, you did stuff that still works. I mean, you do a lot of massage and you just try to do everything that doesn't irritate it and everything in the world you can that you can do without irritating it. And that's the art of rehab if you really get down to it. I mean, that's, you know, you can do nothing when that's not good enough and you can do too much and that's not good. So you, the, the key is, okay, finding exactly what you can do without irritating it. Yeah. Let's jump off the field here for a second. No, this will be your humble part, but I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Define for me, you created the athletic training curriculum at West Virginia University. And that has become one of the most respected athletic training programs in the country. And there are literally hundreds of of WVU athletic training grads that are working in every line of professional and collegiate sport. Although those are all fair statements, correct? Is that your most proud accomplishment that you were able to plant a seed and then watch it grow? I'm not saying you did the whole thing, but I'm saying like it was your impetus that created the program, which as they say in Preston County, blowed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. I, I mean, yeah, that was that was neat. I got a call to 
to you are interested in having setting up an athletic training education program and organizing the athletic training services, which were frankly kind of a mess. Uh, people in each training room, they weren't speaking to each other. It was like, okay, oh boy, it was a mess. North and South Korea can't have that, sort of. Yeah, so uh, I, if it had been anywhere but West Virginia, I would not have come because we really were enjoying Chapel Hill and, and I was working with good situation there. And uh, But it was so exciting to think coming back and doing something at a level that had not been done here and kind of frankly needed, needed some help, needed some organizational help. Whitey Gwynn had been... He'd had a couple of heart attacks, and there, I don't, I don't know what all had happened, but it wasn't good. And uh, so, we got an opportunity to come in and say, "Let's do, let's use some common sense and get along here and get that going." But the academic program was, I was able to hire uh, a guy that I'd gone to PT school with, uh, and uh, he came. We hired two guys. Because people left when I came, I guess. I guess that says something. <laughs> uh, they saw that things were going to be done differently, and uh, and then again, Whitey had a heart attack, and uh, so we hired two guys, and uh, Sam Kagris was excellent, and he worked uh, basketball, and uh, he was here five years. Bud Tice uh, came and he worked football. He worked two years, and then he went to the NFL. But we were able to keep it really going. And the academic thing was one one thing uh, that I had had, my, my physical therapy education had been a little tougher than anything I'd had from an athletic training perspective in that, you know, you had cadaver anatomy, you had medical physiology, you had courses that I thought, if we're going to make this program elite, we've got to put some more meat in the academic program. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did, and had a had some real battles with at the med center to get cadaver anatomy. But Bill Douglas helped, and uh, we got that, and we kept it, and it stays to this day. And uh, we were the first program in the country to have that, uh-huh. and uh, helped us recruit. Yeah, you wanted people that wanted to see a cadaver, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that says something, but. We had we had uh, we only took about twelve a year, and uh, so it was, we were elite in that regard. So it was good. It was fun. It, yeah. So I guess that was the proudest thing. But gosh, we still have people out there. Last year, last football season, we had three head athletic trainers in the NFL. Twenty-two season. I mean, Reggie Scott's a head trainer. They won the Super Bowl. I mean, we've had dozens of them. Jack Marucci is a grad. Jack Marucci of Marucci Bat fame. Yeah. Right? I mean, Tom, oh, yeah. you met you, Tom Colt many years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, all, Talk- over, all over the world right, with tennis and the whole thing. It's yeah. just like just tons. And Drew. Um, yeah. Well, in the NBA. Has been in the NBA. Casey. Casey, Casey Smith. Yeah, no, Casey, no, Casey Smith. Casey Smith. I'm sorry, not Drew. Drew NBA. Shea. Drew Shea, who we know. Yeah. Who's at, he was at middle. Middle. He was sure. at middle. He's but yeah, middle. Casey Smith. I put those two together. Drew and Casey. He left middle, by the way. Oh, did he leave middle? Yeah. He's out of middle. Yeah, I did. someone did tell me. His yeah. daughter. As a matter of fact, his daughter told me he was out of middle. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to middle. Can only stay in the middle so long. Yeah. <laughs> Before. Yeah, you do. You probably have to go. Um, so... 
Rich comes in, Don leaves. There was no culture change then, was there? <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, Don had signed a, you know, it's, it always, it's always this way. I can't believe they signed that guy before. I can't believe they've got those guys signed. Those guys are terrible. You know, you when get the that, new coach comes. It was the same when even – much as Don respected Frank, he couldn't believe some of the guys Frank had. Of course, some of the guys Frank had went on to support Don, get do very well. Absolutely. But coaches are always like – and I remember Rich saying uh, – I'll even say who it was. It was, uh, if I can remember his name, Gavin uh, – Garen Justice. Yeah, Garen Justice. They were Garen Justice. I mean, he – Moved about as well as this sign over there. I mean, he, he, he couldn't move, but he was huge. Tight hips. Had bad hips. Bad <laughs> hips. Yes, you're right. He couldn't bend. Right. So, uh, anyway, uh, Rich said they couldn't believe that he was signed. And who was the uh, the kid from uh, Grafton area? Another really big kid, 6'7 kid. And he might be the one, in Brad's question, that would, your question about who might have been really good if they could have stayed on the field. That was that kid. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Don Rich couldn't believe that some of the guys that Don had signed, they'd go on, and some of them played and did well. And uh, Garrett Justice was an all-Big East player by the time he left. Yeah, made himself a player. And in coaching today, yeah. right? Absolutely. In coaching, where is he now? He's in Miami, isn't he? SMU. Yeah, he was is at Miami at, now. Yeah, at SMU. yeah, you're right. He is at SMU. He has bounced. When did he go to SMU? This yeah. past offseason. Yeah. yeah. He was at UNLV for like a coffee cup, right? And yeah. it's bounced all over. Let's stay in the rich era for a second because obviously so many great, talented players came through then. So let's go back to practice again. Ooh. I'm fascinated with the practice, right? The practice is where the stuff happens. Practice! <laughs> <laughs> Best battle in practice that you've seen on the West Virginia practice field that obviously didn't show up in games because it was, it was team on team. The best day to day, you'd go out and say, "Okay, they're going at it here. I'm watching this." Pac-Man Jones versus Chris Henry. Oh, well, that's a good one. How oh, about that? That's a good one. Oh my gosh! Back at so it. So when they draw up, you guys would stop what you're doing and watch that one. Yeah, there wasn't much rehab got done at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and, and isn't it amazing now? Adam Pac-Man has Chris's um, son. I mean, he, he adopted. Um, right, his son. And I so guess isn't so. That, isn't that amazing? How that, you know, you talk about Full a circle. relationship that goes all the way around. And they were just, I mean, but you talk about battles, and you know, I mean, Chris has even like seven inches, but you know, Pac-Man's. I mean, he's just maybe the most elite athlete I've ever seen. There you go. We, yeah, yeah. That's we talk, we talk about him so much on this program. I, I often say, of all the greats, him returning a kick is right at the very top of my list of things I would want to watch again, where he just fearless, take it, and the, the athleticism that he exuded. He could really do anything. Yeah, Boston it. College wasn't very fond of that. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the all-time greats. So he asked you about Major. When did you know about Major? Because he got redshirted. When did you know that Pat White was special? Now, Pat wasn't redshirted, right? No. Well, was Pat White? Was Pat? Pat was. Yeah. Pat was redshirted. Was he redshirted? He was redshirted. And then he was delayed because uh, Adam Bednarik was. They split time yes. that first year. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Bednarik got hurt. And Pat got in. That was in. That, that, was, that it. was it. Yeah. Did you know? Could you tell? Yeah. I. Yeah. 
Stu, God rest his soul. I thought, when are you ever going to play that guy? <laughs> you know, it was like. Uh, Stu was probably telling Rich the same thing. Like, yo, we got to go with this guy, right? We got to go with this guy. So, yeah. Danny Loman, mutual friend of ours, was shooting practice at that time, video. Yep. Every day. And he would stand behind the quarterback and lift the camera as high as he could. Like this was before we got fancy with drones and things like that. And he would hold it because he's athletic. He would run with the play. So if they ran sideways, he would go, he'd vertically go sideways because the coaches wanted to see that angle from above. And he came back from practice and he said, I'm just telling you. I go, what? He goes, just Pat White. I go, yeah. He goes, Put it into context. And I go, what, 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 what? Put it. He goes, put it in context. He said, it's Major-esque. And I went, what? Major-esque? That's blasphemy. How can he dare? He said, I'm just telling you, this dude is special. And then it wasn't long, and he exploded. Yeah. He was fantastic. Super so simple, super simple question. We talk about this a ton when it comes to recruiting. We always come back to one fundamental. It's always the players. No question. I mean, you right? So the old thing, right? Donkey's never won the Kentucky Derby. And if you want to play at high level elite ball, you got to have thoroughbreds. And so you go back and you look at those thoroughbreds that you had, you know, start picking the 88 team apart. Start picking away the Pat White teams. And you just go, White, Slayton, Raynaud, just start, keep going, right? Oh, uh, Owen, all those guys. You got to have, is that it? Is that what, I mean, of all the thousands of practices, you just go like, you got to have guys. Yeah. But it also builds though, right? I mean, because go back to immediately before that and you've got a Rashid and a Quincy yep. and a Grant Wiley that bridge into when you got elite and you guys say always say the same thing about leading into the 88 team. Push. Right? I mean, you're talking about some guys right there. Just a threat. I mean, Quincy Wilson's one of those guys, one of the all-time great backs here that we talk about a lot, but probably not enough because there were so... I mean, go ahead and try and name the best running back to come through here. Long conversation. I had a conversation with my son about this last... Which which son? That one that does the basketball thing? That son, yeah, that son that does the basketball thing. He loves to get into those conversations. Oh, yeah. And where's he go? Where's he stand on this? Adrian Morrell. Really? I think that was the worst red shirt ever, that they didn't red shirt him. That he played about a yeah, but he, was, he wasn't eligible his first year. Well, he played a handful. No, they blew a red shirt on him. Ah, uh, yeah. They blew a year they could have red shirted him. He yeah. should have had a whole nother year. But anyway, that's that's me. So so <sighs> Zach Zach goes, yeah, what you talk about a jump cut. Think Adrian Morrell could jump cut? Woo! Do you remember the you know you you talk about Chuck Howley being one of the only guy that ever won uh, MVP in Super Bowl when they lost. Well, you know, I, I just remember uh, Adrian having 150 yards against Penn State. The game Rodney Woodard fumbled down there late. <laughs> yeah, go weight room side. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. uh, so we lose that game. We should have, we would have won that game. And so he had a buck 50 in that game. He had game. a buck 50 in that game. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. But when you look at. Divine and Tavon and Slayton and, and Avon and Zaraway and Wilson. Crazy. It's crazy. It's it was tremendous. That's a heck of a list right there. You want to hear something else crazy? You attended during your matriculation of schools, Penn. You went to Penn. I've heard of that place. Yeah, yes. you went to Penn. Yeah. 
you walked across the campus every day and their campus is basically it shares the drexel campus that's that's correct your son's now the head basketball coach at drexel university yeah how crazy is that it's 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 pretty nuts you know uh when he gets named the job the the job we went up to the press conference and uh i thought oh this would be great or be in familiar territory only thing I recognized, the only thing was 30th Street Station where I took the train into every oh, yeah. day. I used to go there, yeah. Still looks the same, pretty much. And But every building on the Drexel campus is different. It's, don't, you know, it, you just, I was just getting, walking up by Ben Franklin's statue. That's where I was going. I was just cutting across and going up through there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really odd to be uh, on the same ground, but. Yeah, both of your boys had high level are in or in the sport world. So Timmy plays at Purdue, transfers to Washington University, plays there. Zach Ithaca gets into the coaching world. Greg Marshall Winthrop, John Beeline here. Steve at Cornell becomes the head coach at Army like six seconds before the regular season began. He takes that <laughs> thing over, wins more games than Shashevsky and Knight at Army. Now at Drexel, a couple of years ago, gets him into the NCAA tournament. I mean, I asked you, okay, what's your most proud accomplishment? I would imagine as well, when you look back at it, those may have been like, wows. You look at it now yeah. and go, like, isn't this amazing? You know, I remember. Uh, being on the BC football trip and getting a call from Tim that he'd made the team as a walk-on at Purdue. Right. Uh, and I was kind of floating the whole Matt way. Painter at that time is on the team, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 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 Matt Painter and Tim remain good friends. Uh, every time they play anywhere near, he takes his oldest uh Cannon is 13-year-old, and they go over to practice or whatever. And, uh, and of course, Zach knows him because every coach knows everybody. It's, yeah, it's That's unbelievable very talking incest, to Zach. Very I mean, yeah, they yeah, know. Yes. There's nobody they don't know. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, but, uh, yeah, Painter was there. And Tim always said Matt Painter was as smart as Coach Katie, and he loves Coach Katie, but he said he was the smartest basketball player he was ever around. He just knew, he just knew everything. He got it. He had it. He had it, and I think his dad was a coach, and somehow he just always had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was good. What, what haven't we asked you that you prepared to be asked that you need to get out? Who was the best player? I was standing on the sideline for the other team. I thought you guys. Were oh, that's a guy. Hey, I did think about that. Okay. okay, best player on the opposing sideline that you watched. All right, this will be a good one. I don't know how you came up with an answer on this. Go ahead. Well, I was thinking of it. Are we looking for the guy that affects every play? Or so is this, and that's position wise. So if you're going to take the guy that scares you every offensive play, that's the guy we're looking for. That's got to be Doug Flutie. Yeah, you're right. I mean, every daggone snap is like, oh, where's he going to go next? <laughs> and, but not. Not to say Dorsett, who gets the ball most of the time anyway, but they handle it. So Dorsett. Dorsett, Dorsett. Dorsett was, oh, 
He was never. He's never been hit yet. Nobody's ever hit the guy. I swear to goodness, he could be in a car wreck and and not not get hit. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was just he got dragged down. You know, we we thought we did a great time, great game with him one time. We held him to 199 yards. Yeah, I mean, that's what we held him. Our goal was to get hold him under 200. Remember that game? Yeah, yeah. And so we did. We held him to 199. <laughs> Best environment you ever remember inside the new stadium? Oh, well. I, you mentioned 84. I See, to me, I think 84 BC's off the chart, crazy loud. Where do you think? And there's been so many. Well, isn't it funny that uh, 84, the Penn State BC games were back-to-back? Yes. Then throw Syrac- Syracuse was in, the three, in, the, in that span as well. Yeah. All in the score, course I of three weeks. I forgot about that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, those back-to-back. My daughter Heather was babysitting for for Craig Walker up at Tanglewood, which is what two blocks from the stadium, if yeah, that. Yeah. And I remember her talking about how the house shook, the windows shook. Oh, I like that. See, That's windows good. shook. Yeah. Of course, I asked her what play it was, and she didn't know. But <laughs> <laughs> down the distance, what happened? Give me the give me the hash so on that. I was babysitting. <laughs> yeah. yeah <what laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was loud, but. Miami 93. Ooh, that was pretty loud. Yeah, I saw cold, that. cold as heck. Yes, it was. Walker, Walker, sideline, Walker. Yeah. 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 Those, those are yeah. good ones. Um, so this does not involve training, athletic training, but it is the change of the game. Just give me some general impressions of the transfer portal. Does it frighten you? because you can't build like you used to be able to build teams. Like we mentioned, 88 team. Well, the 88 team, a lot of those very productive players were on the bench on that BC game in 84 as true freshman red shirts. And then 85, 86, 87, 88. I'm talking about the under Johnsons of the world. Many of the guys on that offensive line, they were all true freshmen. That doesn't happen again no. ever no. because of the portal. No. Yeah, Sure. Yeah, well, if if you want it to be the way it was, it, it, it's not going to be that way. Right. So, yeah, it's just not. Uh, does it disappoint you? Well, I think, yeah, it does. Uh, just because you're used to being another way, I don't. I have to adjust to be able to enjoy it. I don't enjoy it as much. Each day before a player would go to practice, you're on the in the room with them, taping ankles. And I would imagine that through the course of years, the wisdom that you were able to provide them or building of confidence or hang in there, I mean, those would be some unbelievable conversations through the years. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I think that's what, probably one of your greatest strengths. Yeah. Positive you attitude, become, hang in there. You become friends with them. Uh, uh, you, you try to encourage them. You, yeah. I'm I'm grinning because uh, I just so much remember Pat McAfee in there. And, and, How was that? Uh, Pat told me once that uh, he knew he wasn't going to live past 35, but he was going to have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's made that right. I think he's past 35. He's past that, yeah, yeah. That's, that's he was an electric wire back then, right? He was like always popping 
and having fun. Oh yeah, from, he, he was great. He was great. It, it drove uh, Donnie N. Well, no, he rich. was he was rich. Yeah, yeah, he, he kind of drove Rich crazy. <laughs> but uh, I think Rich. I mean, Rich obviously a smart guy and knows. Okay, this guy's really good. So yeah, he he certainly tolerated him, but. I don't know. I don't know if uh, McAfee would have come back, even though he's just a kicker, and you don't get they don't usually leave early. But uh, I don't know if he would have come back if Richard had come back. <laughs> he was happy to be kicking for Stu the last year. Yeah, interesting. Um, quietest locker room before a game you ever remember? Penn State '88. I've heard that dead quiet. Yeah confident just, they just knew wasn't they were not scared they were not scared so that's a weird thing like you mentioned dean smith earlier how we ain't talk quiet when a locker room is like before a game you go like whoa antennas go up yeah you just never know uh or i never knew uh whether it was going to be really uh it resulted in are they ready to play or are they asleep? You know, where, where you are never they know. Here? You never no, know. No, no. Is there ever a correlation between practice week and performance or not? Well, the coaches say there is. That's a good question because coaches always say that, don't they? Coaches always say there you is. You buy that? Yeah, I think. For the uh, most part. I think, you know, particularly if there's a strategy involved, you'd like to know that they, they understand that defense you've put in. You know, you'd like to know that they really know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so, yeah, I think I buy that a little bit. Okay, so how about like kind of the opposite of that? The all-time shocking result Ooh, in a game good. based on practice and everything leading up to it looked like it was leading the other way. Now, I know there's something in the back of my mind of, like, of that situation. I can't remember right now what – what that was. I want to throw one at you. I'll, 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 I'll give you the one. Same one. Because I think there's one. Music City Bowl. Yes. That would be one. There'd be no reason whatsoever that that team would go out there and play to win. I, play I, would, win like. I would have to say that is right. it. That is it. Coaching yeah. change was coming. Oh. Staff was leaving. Still had to play in a game. Oh. Bowls it, had not been kind to West Virginia for a number of years. We, we practiced on some high school field over there. It was a mess. Uh, yeah. It was cold. Oh, was it cold? It was cold. Oh, it was cold. Wait, we didn't even get out of there that next day, did we? No, we, we didn't. We were delaying ice. We in, right? Tons of ice. Yeah. yeah. Ice. Yeah. ice issue. I told my wife that the other day. She said, no, we didn't oh, get we, stuck there. Oh, we were there all day. <laughs> yeah, we know it was all day. Yeah. No, we were there all but day. it was okay because you'd want. So yeah. Exactly. A little bit. Exactly. But that's we, the number one for me. Most all-time bizarre that, that is That is it. Yeah. Well, and that second, if that's, if that's one, then two has to be the Fiesta Bowl victory over Oklahoma. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Those two. That's Those I, I, Those you know, two. That, that game, I, I just I thought we had no chance. And uh, I just remember the first offensive series, Pat goes for about 40 up the far sideline. I'm thinking, holy mackerel, I can't believe that. You know, I, I didn't think we'd have a play like that at all because I just assumed they could stop anybody. Mm -hmm. And then do you remember uh, Johnny Dingle? I mean, yeah. that 
that all-American tackle never blocked him one time. No, exactly. and, held, and held him about 150 <laughs> times and still couldn't stop him. <laughs> Johnny Dingle had, had, had a play of his, had his season right there. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Bradford did not have a good game, an enjoyable game there. Ooh. They were on him early and often. Eric, Eric Wicks. Yeah. Yeah. Top five victory, Sugar Bowl over Georgia. That's one of them. Fake. Fiesta. I heard someone said you called the fake punt from the sidelines. Is that true that you did that? I, I put down the top plays ever here. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, oh, 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 oh. Give it to Might me. be the first guy ever to come as prepared as Spike is. No surprise. Well, because most of the time, if anyone does show with notes, we take them away from them and say, you're not using those. <laughs> no, we'll let you do that. That's fine. Give me your – yeah, top I want to hear this. Top plays over 213 years of Mountaineer football. What, <laughs> give them to me. Uh, well, I mean, you got to have Quincy's Miami play. Yes, yep, absolutely. Yep, That's in yep, the list. No hundred percent. You've got to have Grant Wiley's stopping fourth down and dive a- over a- the line. Absolutely. In Blacksburg. In Blacksburg. Blacksburg on the yep. weeknight game. That was yep. crazy. Two teammates right there. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. And you got to give it to Rich Rodriguez for calling a fake punt. I mean, that was a great play. I mean. Pure onions. Yeah. Bordering on. Yeah. Yeah, cantaloupe. Now, I'm sure there. I mean, there are a lot of other great. I mean, then you got the play, major. Yeah, yeah, major. I mean, yeah. How, how can you not deny that? So, uh, what do you have? Yeah, what's your favorite running back play? The thing that kills Quincy's run is you didn't win the game. That's right. If you won the game, then that is like That's in right. a museum of its own. That's right. Conversely. Grant Wiley, right? You're basically you're determining the outcome of the game. Oh yeah. Phil Brady, Determine you're determining the outcome, the outcome of, the of the game. By the way, Phil recently texted me. He wants to play golf um, with uh, someone at either at Pete Dye before the Duquesne game. If you're a member of Pete Dye, call me and we'll get uh, Phil Brady, the, the the fake pun guy, will be able to golf with you. Fair. Our listeners. I mean, they, they want to play. If yeah, you want to play with Phil, Phil wants to, to play yeah. for the Duquesne. So he he impacts the outcome because if they get the ball back, as a oh. mount, as a Mountaineer that, fan, you're throwing up. As, they, a mount, as, a, as a Mountaineer fan, you just put the points on the board before their possession begins. You yeah. go, just give yeah, the points. Yeah, no chance. It's right, exactly. Yeah, no chance. So I go Grant and Phil, and then your other one was Major. But Major, even though that play was unbelievable. It did not impact the ultimate outcome in the sense that it wasn't a one-score game. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, from the as far as outcomes go, the Phil Brady and the Grant Wiley like were determining plays. The other yeah. ones are certainly long in there. I'm just saying those are the win-lose. Yeah, oh, go, back, go back to Phil Brady for a second and your position relative to where Rich was on that call. Because I think one of the one of the great underrated parts of that is there's got to be some secrecy to the play call. Because some some teams have spy, scouts or spies watching the other sideline, watching for a change in demeanor when a potential fake is on, right? Yeah. You've heard Urban Meyer talk about that, that he would look over and they'd have somebody watching and you could tell when something was on. There's a little buzz on the sidelines people weren't cool about. How many... What was the demeanor in this on the sideline? That obviously wasn't known by very many people. That had to be a select few that knew that was coming. Well, I, I heard it when you guys had Phil on the show, and uh, I, I thought he said, "You know, I'm not sure the offensive line even knew." You're right. Yeah. You're right. One of his personal protectors, I think, didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Think about this. Think about this, Mike. How many great plays did you not see because your back was to the field? You're, well, tra- you're treating guys on the sideline, and they're not stopping because Spike can't watch yet, right? How many times have you had a roar, and then you have to, like, what is Oh, gee, I remember being at Oklahoma and, and uh, way back. Well, it was the Hustetler game. 82. Yeah, and, you know, that, that place roars. And you get underneath those, <laughs> underneath those bleachers, they you talk about a roar. Yeah. Holy mackerel. So we've got offensive guard in there with a sprain, and I'm looking at it and trying to do my whatever I do, and I go back out, and I'm thinking – this is going to be real. I didn't, you need to look at the scoreboard either. I don't even know if I want to look and you look up and they were only one score ahead. I thought, Holy mackerel. I, I thought we were getting killed. I just thought, of course that's Oklahoma fans. If they got a first down where they were going crazy. So it was, uh, yeah, that was, that was something. So what was that? I just said, I mean, I just, those, I mean, I'm totally with you on all of those. Is there any others that you wrote down on your list as far as top plays or those four plays? I mean, I'm totally plays. with you. Well, on I just remember, I remember some other great plays that weren't necessarily uh, determining whether you won the game or not. Uh, but, I mean, what's the best pass play you ever remember? One of mine was John Pennington's catch right before halftime. I'm pit. with you. I'm with you on that one. That, was, that at, was at BC. At BC. Touchdown. Which, which one? Eddie Hill? Yeah. Eddie Hill at BC That's, to win to go undefeated because of impact that has to be way. Yeah, you know he got hurt on that play too. You remember? Look at the film of that. He limps off with a knee after that. He really? Yeah, he got hurt coming off there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Don Nealon's game at Rutgers. <laughs> yeah. All so right. This was this was the one to get bowl eligible to eventually go to the Music City Bowl refresh me there was craziness there what was that deal oh that was well i i have another category i have a category of pre-replay and post-replay uh, here comes old phil braxton good one and yes. i had uh needed replay versus <laughs> glad we didn't have a replay I have two different good, categories categories yeah so uh you know, I had needed. I start off more positive. Needed a replay. Uh, I think maybe uh, Zaraway's fumble against UNC in the Gator Bowl. Hundred percent. Might have needed a replay. Hundred percent. That that'd be number one on my list. Ninety six yes. Miami punt block. That was an illegal forward pass after they blocked the punt. That's a. That's that, also that good. Well, back. that's because that I'm not sure back. they can score. They don't. Because Ryan Clement was playing with one arm. Exactly. If you remember, they don't score that. If they're if you down them on the eight, I contend they don't get into the end zone. Totally agree. That was. That but Zeroway's fumbles absolutely on there in that game. But, but yeah. Yeah, that Jack Holman from Miami got the ball involved in that play. They forwarded it. They forwarded that's a the good, ball. That's a good. Those are that two, those are the two. Yeah, that come back. Yeah. That's, that's uh, Phil Braxton at Rutgers makes a catch to either send the game into overtime, the ball hit the ground, and it bounced up. Today, they would have ruled it as an incomplete pass. You don't... See, I don't remember it that way. Oh, I, yeah. I remember his foot being out of bounds. Eh, no. Trap. I remember. I see a, I see a trap. Okay, I'm sure you would know. I see a trap. I know, I know it was not in our favor, and yeah. that's what I would say. Glad no replay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, but I think, you know, another game, and I'm glad it didn't have a replay. You remember the BC game that Glenn, Glenn Foley was the uh, quarterback at the very end of the game? Tim Newsom. Yes. 
<laughs> Tim Newsom tackles the guy. I I think that would have gone for a score because that was play of the game, last well, play of the game. He dragged, him, he face masked him, and just brought the guy. Oh, face masked him. He, he went and you looked at it. He goes up. The the receiver is going up. He grabs him by the face mask and just brings him straight down. Incomplete pass. Incomplete. Game's Get on over. The bus. Get out. Yes, sir. Absolutely true. Oh man, that was absolutely yeah. true. It go. I mean, it it does bounce him back, but hey. Here's a really bad injury. Zach Anglin, the punter from Bridgeport. Oh. That was a bad break. Wasn't it? At Rutgers, same at game. Rutgers. Breaks his leg. We had we had uh had Tim Love get a neck injury that game too. Yes, you're right. He did. And Tim Love was playing well at that time. Yep. There's a guy I thought would have never played, and by the end he was really good. Yeah. But gets a neck injury. Had to be transported to the hospital. Uh had to be in a hospital overnight. And uh, Zach breaks. He's like, bad break. Bad break. So he wasn't on to kick late in the game. Who kicked? I can't remember. Well, you know what? I was just thinking of this too, Spike. Non-player, but speak about bad, bad, horrible leg injuries. The late Mr. Daniels, our equipment truck driver, he took us. He got hit on the sideline and just really badly damaged his leg. Yeah, he had a tib-fib uh, tib fracture. And which so your lower leg is out to the side at about sixty degrees, and uh, yeah, that was that was really bad. That was we had one of those also in a Maryland game with the guy from the chain crew over at Maryland. It's dangerous, man. I mean, they come in. Yeah, like- I was really ticked because we had to take it was on our side. I was their chain crew, and they didn't even come over and. See what we're see what we're doing. Well, we're taking care of the chain crew. Classic Maryland. We got guys getting hurt, and we're taking care of their chain crew. Yeah, classic, so, classic Maryland. So they had to take him off the field on a, an ambulance. You know, I mean, he was hurt. He was hurt. Bad. So the same injury, by the way. Hey, you remember the Maryland game when uh, the student ran out of the stands and Keith Taparowski? They were in a huddle before, and the kid's drunk as heck. He runs toward our huddle just before a kickoff. Taparowski sees him coming. Taparowski got like one of those old school L.A. Oakland Raiders, like when the Raiders would put like the full thing. It was just like a, a basic. He hit that kid. Oh, number 35. He, uh, yes. He hit him square in the head <laughs> like that. My man got knocked out. I thought that was one of the other. You didn't treat. But anyway. Fine play. And, and the, here's another. Go back. Now I'm going to get serious. I always remember you telling me this story. There's a certain injury that happens in football when a player injures their upper shoulder clavicle area, the bone breaks and it could come across, I'm going to do the super general terms there, could close off the windpipe and you guys have to go out there. Is that the most, besides a neck injury, is that the most fearful injury for an athletic trainer? It's a life or death thing then. Hippas, we're out of HIPAA no here. No HIPAAs, no HIPAA. Well, that's what Nate Terry had. The cornerback. Yeah. woo Scary as hell when you get out there because yeah, they're not yeah. breathing. Well, you don't always know. Well, if they're not breathing, you're totally freaked out. But if they're struggling to breathe, you're still, yeah. So, yeah, that can be a, that can be a thing. See, that to me is something that goes on in these games that people have no real idea. They see a player get hurt, and the athletic trainer makes his way out there. And they're kind of like, okay, someone's hurt. But your mindset is, I have to make an instantaneous evaluation of what it is that we're dealing with here. Because not everything is a twisted ankle. 
And at that point, you literally, how do you treat that? You reach in and you do what to get that breathing? You make sure they're breathing, first of all. You get your hand in there and you make sure you try to get their, and make sure they are breathing. And then if, if they're not breathing, you're calling for them. You're calling for all the help you can get in the meantime, and you're getting them turned over and do whatever. I had an intramural guy in North Carolina. In North Carolina, we took care of uh, intramurals on a field just up. And so one night a week, we would do that. I had two guys ran together. Intramural had head stuff. And uh, I got called up early ran up there and he was not breathing and uh as i went to turn him over to start doing cpr he started breathing and so that's about as close as i've ever i've never had to do cpr on the field with a player right then you have to prepare them and you know whatever but we have had cervical spine injuries i mean we had you know injuries they're still breathing but now you're dealing with a potential neck injury. You are, and so that's yeah, it's amazing. Sometimes in practice, I mean, we have gone. Uh, I remember one time going from the old stadium with a neck injury and holding the guy's head stabilized all the way to the hospital. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, no fun. No, absolutely. Yeah, he did. The guy did okay. You're. Uh- you're in just in one of those positions you have been throughout your career. You're in one of those positions where you say things to people that you might consider a passing comment that changes their lives. We talked about this on a recent show. And I think that you have no idea how many guys you've given a little bounce to because, as you know, moods and it's up and down and up and down. So I think like in that regard, both mentally and physically, like you have just saved and changed people. You'll never know the the outcome. But I mean, I see the former players when they when you're around and they talk about you. It's just like you forgot like uh, how many times they were hurting and you made them feel better. And like Spike, like Spike save me, Spike, Spike, Spike save me, Spike, like that's that's the ultimate. When you're able to have mm-hmm. a life, well, then you're able to have a life where you've touched so many different people and helped them. Yeah, that's it. That's that's the big one. Yeah, that's just, the big one. It's just a blessing. It's, yeah, I mean, it's just it great. Is. It's, a, it's it a, is. I mean, I've received the blessing too. I mean, sure. Yeah, it's just uh, and. I, and I will not be humble with this, you know. A lot of those are people who are in the medical profession. A lot of our athletic trainers out there, people change their career and help them uh, go a different direction or maybe with with more emphasis in a direction they're going or whatever. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's been uh, very rewarding. Uh, some of them go to on the medical school. Some of them, we had, you know, we had several Japanese kids. And uh, we had a gal that graduated uh, Sue Onishi, she graduated from here and she went over there working some pro basketball thing. And you may remember that she brought her player back. We treated him at Mon General. <laughs> it was How about the, that. Yeah. So that was quite a compliment. I remember a hundred, a hundred years ago, you went to Japan and spoke. Uh, yeah. 
What would, what, would you, what was your specialty there? What were you talking about there? Well, one of our graduates, Makoda Toshia, uh, was from uh, Yamagata, Yamagata University. And uh, they were thinking they wanted to do something uh, academically in a program. So Makoda got, us, got me hooked up to go over there and speak about athletic sports medicine education. Yeah, we made a... Yeah, we went a few places. Not bad. Not bad for a little guy from Brandonville Pike, is it? <laughs> <laughs> huh? Huh? Not too bad. Yeah, it was not bad. It was not pretty bad. Good, pretty good gig. We went skiing. Yeah, we did some stuff. Awesome, man. Yeah, it was good. And we went to Kyoto. We went to Tokyo. We went to all the big ones. How's this retirement thing going? Uh, Better or worse? Is that my decision or my wife's? <laughs> Better or worse than you thought? Because you were, uh, you were about like you. The only time you weren't working was when you were sleeping. So better than you thought it would be. Probably a whole new world out there where you kind of like. Yeah. Well, I I don't have the energy to to do. Well, I mean that happens. Yeah. Which so, is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. It's it's okay. It's good. I mean, <laughs> I don't have anything. It's not that I have the energy to want to be doing something. Yeah. I I'm kind of disappointed in myself when well, you I don't do. But here's the deal, dude. Here's the deal. You burned it at about 130% efficiency for like 50 plus years. Like it's normal now to go like you can't go maxed out. Like Brad and I are thinking about retiring the next week or so. <laughs> I, might have, I might have already done it. So so we're, we just want to, we, we try to ask as many people as we can. Like is it as good as we think it's going to be? Is it? Yeah, it's well, <laughs> two or three jobs. If, you know, if you've got, if you know, if you've got two or three jobs like I did, and like you guys do, you probably got more than that. Uh, well, then when you retire, you just kind of do it in a phase. One phase of it out. Phase it out. Yeah. I so I yeah I stopped you know yeah teaching and then I stopped eventually stopped football and then I've stopped all athletic department there in fifteen and then I stopped HealthWorks in eighteen. Which, so. you, which you founded. Yeah, founded HealthWorks. So. Um, yeah, okay, so you're telling us to do it in phases. I think phases rather is than a, a cold is, turkey. Absolutely. I, I would do it in phases. You gotta figure out first of all how many jobs you have. <laughs> how many do you have? That's right? a, I don't know the answer. Yeah, no, I, think about that. I don't I don't well besides his Grubhub delivery or his Uber driving. <laughs> well, he's got a lot of he's, well, how many bets does he put on Grubhub uh, each time? <laughs> That's got scouting, it, it, got coaching, got yeah. podcasts, got radio shows, got Success. TV. Yeah, see, so you got a lot. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. what's your biggest loss? Your, your most painful loss? Football, obviously. Uh, that's good. I mean, there's one. That one's like the tattoo. You know, that's just got, that one won't go away. Um, it's a pit game, pit game, obviously. Basketball would be an interesting study. As to which basketball game hurt. Well, I, you know, I'll tell you which basketball. I got it. Beeline, Elite Eight. Louisville. Louisville yeah, no to question. go to the Final Four. That one right In there. In Albuquerque. No question. In yeah. Albuquerque. That was I, it. I, we were yeah. all there. Yeah, I would say that was it. Because yeah. I've often said about that personally, I, I thought, so selfishly, I thought that was it. I'd never get to a Final Four as a member of the athletic department. Yeah. Right? So if 2010 hadn't come along that scar from Louisville be the cross would, be you carry. Even, would, would, would be carry it forever. Still there, getting to a Final Four selfishly, personally helped. Yeah. Well, Who's yours? You got others? You got others? Well, I mean, 13 to 9 hurt so bad that I just don't even count that. I just, <laughs> that, that, that pit game. But 
uh, the Notre Dame loss to Fiesta Bowl was was painful. The Miami '96 game here, mm. gosh, mm. I walked. Uh, I literally walked home that night. I did not. <laughs> I, it was raining too. I I didn't even want to get. Uh, maybe it was I didn't want to fight traffic. I don't know. But it was like you, just you literally walked home. I did. Yeah, but you know I don't. Not, pretty that, good not that far. Pretty good, that, John. You, pretty you know, good, John. That, the Miami loss down there, we talked about the Quincy run. That that loss was a hard one to stomach. Oh, yeah. Fourth down conversion to Kellen Winslow Jr. Uh, for what it would have meant for that program at that time with Rich. That that one's way up the list. Whew. Yeah. Well, it's been... Uh, it's a great... You're a great story. You're a great story. Hey, let me give you one other crazy thing um, here. I know. Howard Humble over here. Go ahead. What is it? <laughs> Meadowlands. Uh, just crazy situation. Snow? No. Meadowlands. We get an ACL in the tunnel before the game. Oh, Todd, go to Todd field. die. Todd before die. we get on the field, the very first series, Mike Logan breaks his arm. And uh, first quarter, John Browning hurts his knee. So that's a great start. Probably weren't going to beat Nebraska that day. That was uh, that was the day. Got your hands full early. You could tell it wasn't going to be a good and, day. And that was also Sauerbrunn's punt. Oh yeah, that was great. That was Sauerbrunn's 177 yard punt ish yeah. in that game, and that Which was he bragged about. It has a 90 yard yeah. punt. <laughs> and that was the national championship Nebraska team. Not the Don did not want to play that game, and. Because we were coming off the 93 season where we lost everybody, so many guys. And Don everybody. Said, Don said, we got no business playing these guys now. This is not good, not good. And it was, he was right. not good. Yeah. Pre-game injury. Right. Pre-game injury. Those are always no, that's tough. That's not a good sign. <laughs> he was bouncing up and down in the tunnel yeah. and his knee popped. Not a good sign. Yeah, that wasn't good. But then Logan. Whew. Yeah. Well, this is, this is fun. Buddy, this is a delight for us. That is from Bobby Bowden to Dana Holgerson and everything in between. From Dean Smith. With, with a sprinkle of Dean Smith in a there. little Dean Smith in there. It's, uh, this is, as they say, what a run. What a run. But, you know, all, Bill Stewart, you know, what a, what a experience that was. That was, just a, that was just a great experience. That just, was. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Spike, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks, Spike. There he is. Our summer guest continues, Mr. John Spiker, three guys before the game. Time to hit that music. Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. Oh, there it is. That's it. Three guys before the game, as you all well know, is brought to us by the Burdett Camping Center, the only warranty forever RV dealer in all of West Virginia. Visit them, Burdett camping.com two t's next to each other located in winfield or on the website of burdettcamping.com by gomart oh have i told you about gomart i mean i gotta tell you about these reese's they got at gomart check this out on may the 18th may the 18th coming up i love reese's day invented in 1928 reese's one of the top selling candies gomart has a coupon on their app you can save $2 $2 American when you buy four Reese's products. That's enough for you to have one each and one for us here at Three Guys Before the Game. And <laughs> if you don't have and the GoMart app, download it today. Three Guys also brought to us by Comax Business Systems, keeping West Virginia's business data safe, secure, and efficient for 25 years. 
and by Lou Wendell Marine Sales in St. Albans. They sell family fun. Visit LouWendellMarineSales.com. Tis pontoon boat season. We're out back again sometime next week for our guest, John Spiker, and the Senator Brad Hauer, producer Taylor Kennedy. Also, special assistant to the producer in this episode, Malachi Ruffin, over on the other side of the board. Great potential there with Malachi. We feel, yeah. yeah. First guy we've ever had that can go 4-4-40 in the studio. (laughs) (laughs) We're out. See you.